Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Good morning. So excited to be here. Greetings from Corvallis. For those of you who came from that world down here, um, man, we just love Grace City Eugene. We're so proud of you and the work that you're doing here and can't, um, can't stop talking about you up there. Uh, really, really amazing people down here. If you are just a part of this and just joined this church, um, you're with some good people. And it was really hard to let them go, but it is nice that we're close enough to just visit every now and again and see all this amazing work that God's doing in you and through you. So thank you for letting me be here and my family be here this morning. You're in the middle of this series called I Wish I Knew, which has been awesome. It's such a cool idea to, um, in a season where there's lots of guests coming in, be, be um, joined around one common idea of, hey, this is something I wish I knew when I was younger that God has grown in me. Let me pass it on to you. I listened back um, to Chris and Casey's two incredible messages. So if you haven't heard those, you should definitely check out the podcast. But man, it's a good thing this was not a competition because they were, they were ready. They had some good words. In fact, I was re- ready prepping one, and then I was like, maybe I'll just listen to what they said. And Chris shared the same message that I was going to share, and his was way better. So good thing that I listened, or else you'd get a repeat. But it's not a competition, which is great, because I am not a super great competitor. I'm just not a good, I'm not good at competition at all. I usually quit. A lot. I, I grew, grew up, I grew up uh, trying lots of new things. I would get all amped up in my bedroom, like practicing something, and then I'd go out into the world, and I'd see someone doing it better, and I'd just quit. Just, what's the point? Um, but man, people that are good at competition, they always uh, catch my attention, and I always respect them. There was one year at a Gray City Christmas party up in Corvallis where we had like, uh, I don't know, it was like an Olympic Games kind of thing. And I was losing everything, but it was fine because I was appreciating uh, two people in, in particular who were going head to head in like every game. And they were just crushing it. And I'd never seen two people who like loved Jesus, but really wanted to win too. And I was like, how does this work? Because I know that these people are friends or they're actually married. So is this good for their marriage? Maybe this is why their marriage is so good. And it was actually Chris and Bree's honor. So I don't know if you've ever had a game night with Chris and Bree, but these two people love people, but they also love to win. Are you the same? Has this been a gene that passed... Passed down to you, okay. A family of competitors, and they're really good at it, and they enjoy it, which made me wonder in that moment, am I misunderstanding something? Am I not quite getting what, what the gift of competition is? Because I, I play a game, and I lose, and I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. I feel like, man, these people think that I'm dumb. Like, why can't I do this? I'm not competent. And I, that's what I want to talk about today. I wish I knew how to compete. I wish I knew how. Uh, I know that competition is a gift from God, 
But like any good gift, it can get warped and it can get skewed and we can take on different um, ideas of what it should look like in our life that are actually causing us to uh, lose grasp of of the gift that God wanted to give us. And the thing I really want to highlight this morning is that when you have an unhealthy view of competition, um, that turns into comparison. Comparison is a tricky little thing because it too is a gift from God. It too is meant to somehow bless and benefit the human race, and yet most of us don't do that very well either. Uh, I, I know what this is like as a woman. Uh, women like to compare, not like to, but we just do compare a lot. Uh, there's a thing that says that when a woman walks in the room, men notice her and women notice her eyes are always on women, and they feel it, and they know, oh, people are watching me right now, so how do I look? How do I fit in in this world? Am I the best? And even if I'm not the best, am I enough? Where, where am I in this room of people? Uh, women can look at one another and think, man, like her eyelashes. Why don't I have eyelashes like she does? Man, like her clothes. I just need more clothes. And we can obsess about these little things. She's prettier. She's funnier. She seems to be able to manage life better. And we're we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. But men, you're not off the hook. Because I know a lot of guys, and I checked in with you, and I asked, you know, how do guys compare? Do you do that? Is that really a thing in your world? And they all came back saying yes, and they said the same thing, which cracked me up. But then I felt a little sad for you. So I'm just going to see if this, if this works in this room. L- let me know if it's true. Uh, from the guys I've talked to, when you are in a room with a, another guy, and you could be friends, you could be family, you could be having like a nice dinner together, you could be lifting weights together at the gym, like you are enjoying one another's company, but there is a voice in the back of your head that says, should something go terribly wrong, could I take him down? Could we go head to head? Would I take him? Who's the best here? Who's the strongest? Who's got the most respect? And that seems really deep and intense to me. I would much rather, what what, what just happened here? Are you guys gonna go? Oh, for sure, you guys, Zoner's gonna win. I'm sorry, he's gonna win. I watched him move a piano by himself, so. Yep, yep, Zoner wins. Um, I would much rather obsess about the little things than trying to figure out who's the king of the mountain. I feel sorry for men. That's a really hard space to hold in your brain all of the time. But the good news is that man or woman, and maybe you think more like a, a dude or dudes, you're sad about not having the cutest pair of jeans. Like That's fine if that's how, how you're thinking. But regardless, we all compare in some capacity. And so the good news is that this morning, hopefully, uh, everyone feels like they can relate. But the tricky thing about comparison is that it is deeply personal and it's totally internal. And so you could have some really real faces in your brain of people that you compare yourself to, and they could have no idea 
They could think that you're super good friends, and you could actually just be hanging around them just to make sure that, that you know how you're matching up. You could be actually creating space and distance and ruining a relationship because of the things that you're telling yourself inside your brain, and nobody could actually know. This has been my story. This has been a very frustrating process in my life to learn how to be Hillary when I'm just thinking about 100 other people and how they're doing life. And so I thought what would be most helpful for you is to ask you some questions that have helped me um, come to terms with the mess that this has been in my life so that you could think of people in your world that maybe we could hand over to Jesus this morning and put things back in the right space so that comparison and competition could actually be assets and things that, that could actually benefit your life with Jesus. So three questions for you this morning. First one, who in your world does the same thing that you do? Who does the same thing that you do? Maybe not all of the same thing, but similar things where you find yourself walking side by side in some capacity. Maybe you share the same occupation. Maybe you are in the same life stage. Maybe you actually compete head to head in the same sport, like pickleball at the gym or something. Uh, maybe you're like a new mom or you're a student in the same major, but whatever it is, you're finding yourself um, seeing them doing the same thing that you do often. For me, this is Pastor Seth from Corvallis, and he's come down here to speak a few times. If you don't know him, he's just really good at what he does. He's an amazing communicator. He travels all around the world to do this, and I often end up filling a space for him when he leaves. And so I compare myself all the time thinking, what would Seth do if he were here? Or just being very aware that when I walk on stage, there's somebody in the room that's a little disappointed that it's not him. When they call into the office, they're just a little bummed out that he's not the one that's talking on the phone. And I'll, I'll just do this to myself even without people putting those pressures on me. What would Seth say? Man, Seth would have this better prepared. Why are we both here? He is just better. Who is your Seth? Who in your world does a similar thing? And when things go on in your mind, you think, man, like, why do we both exist? They have the same message as me. They have this, the same giftings as me. Why are we both here? The thing is, I love Seth. Him and Hannah are the hugest blessings to me. And they have done more for me in my ministerial life to advance me and encourage me and support me than anyone else in my world. They're such good news to me. But when comparison gets in the way, that little voice in my head says, what are you even doing here? Why don't you just leave room for the other one and go home? Who's your Seth? The second question, who has more influence than you? And I know we could think about people like that are in the big world, like movie stars and people with huge social media presence, like bigger than life people, but let's just think about your world people that have been walking along on the same path as you but have just advanced a little bit faster or have a little bit more um, influence, friends, popularity. Uh, they get more awards and accolades and attention that you do, even though uh, you are living in the same world. For me, this is my brother, Jackson. Now, some of you are smiling right now because you know Jackson, and everybody loves Jackson. <laughs> He's everybody's favorite. And I love Jackson, too. He is, has been my best friend my whole life until we got married in the same summer and had to have new best friends, which was good for both of us. But 
we've done everything together since day one, and he is a huge champion in my life, and I, I love him so much. However, Jackson has a larger-than-life calling. I knew it from the day that I went to the hospital. I walked right up to the reception desk as a three-year-old to go meet my baby brother and said, I'm here to meet Michael Jackson. Uh, he's just one of those guys that is going to do big things, is doing big things. He lives in Nashville now. He's got a record deal. He um, is just like magnetic and dynamic, and to know him is to love him. And we grew up in the same town, eating the same foods, getting the same education with the same parents, and yet, for some reason, he has just progressed so much further and faster than I have. And when I could be sitting one-on-one -on -one in a coffee shop at Starbucks, like having some deeply personal conversation with someone that gets me excited, like, I'm actually doing something with my life, then I'll call him, and, and he's opening for Willie Nelson to, in a room full of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. It just seems like he influences and impacts people far beyond me. Who's your Jackson? Who do you know that when you look at your life, you think, man, I'm just too small, or I'm just moving too slow? Do you have a Jackson? Last question, who is just better than you? And I don't mean this as like a knock on you or a knock on them. They're just better at something than you are. Maybe it's a sport or a talent. Uh, maybe it's uh, a skill. For me, uh, I have a man in my life who is just great at everything. Everything he touches turns to gold, and it's good news. And I love it. I'm married to him, so it benefits me all of the time. He cooks good. He's so good with our children. He's a friend to everyone. He's wise and can give me advice about things that I'm walking through. He is just fun and can like play a game and it can be his first time and he just wins it. And he's such good news to me because all of these things that he does really well like directly affect me and make my life better. Until comparison comes along and says, man, there's nothing that you can do? Like what, what value are you adding to this relationship? Why would he need you if like the, the dinner you're cooking, he just has to come and fix every night? If, if this tantrum that your kid's having that you can't control, he just walks in the room and can just seem to ease the tension for both you and the child. Um, what's the point? Do you have someone in your world who's just better, the best? Who's your Craig? Do you have a Craig? Craig has a Craig. Oh, <laughs> it's good. You have some faces in your mind of people that compare, you compare yourself to. You have some, some names to put to comparison. So the Bible actually has some really good things to say about comparison and competition. So we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. We're going to unpack what Paul has to say about competition. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What a cool passage of scripture. 
You know what Paul is saying here? He's saying, look, life is going to be a rat race. And there's going to be people running all around, trying to do all sorts of things that look really big and important. But at the end of the day, it's not going to mean anything. So don't buy into it. You actually have a unique lane made just for you. And you train in that lane and you move forward every day towards Jesus. You walk with him. And when you get to the end, there will be a prize waiting for you that will never go away. Okay. I don't know what else I could say to you to encourage you to keep going. That gives me everything that I need to keep my eyes on Jesus and to walk my life in the race that I have. However, where I got this wrong is that I just read the first verse. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Game on. It's me against all of you. Me against all of the Seths and all of the Jacksons and all of the Craigs. And if I'm going to win, I'm going to have to be better than everybody. A negative partnership with comparison turns you against every brother and sister on earth. And it's going to be a waste of your time. How do you know if you're doing it right? Because it took me a real long time to figure out I was doing it wrong and then to figure out how to do this thing right. Thinking really hard about how I didn't get it and the things that I had to learn so that I could know this is true, I found three symptoms that kept popping up that would turn me against people. So ask yourself now, thinking about your real people in your brain, if you've ever felt any of these symptoms. First things first, a negative partnership with comparison is going to make you feel dizzy because comparison fuels that competition. So let me explain. Let's say I show up to my lane ready to run my race. I'm stretching and I'm visualizing and I'm doing all the things and then I hear a whistle blow. And it's not my whistle, it's happening over here. But there's momentum over there, there's applause, there's energy, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. So I start to get frustrated and insecure because no, no one's over here, who's watching me? What, what am I even, okay, fine. Well, I'm just gonna come over here and I'm gonna start competing, great. I'm gonna learn how to be really good at my job and I'm gonna learn how to um, knit. That sounds like a fun thing to do. And maybe I should like start a social media page for my knitting and I'm gonna like study some algorithms. I'm also gonna have to remember that I'm a mom and, and a wife over here, but there's also this and then another whistle's gonna blow and oh my goodness, country music. Well, now I gotta learn how to play guitar and buy a truck and knit while I'm doing this. <laughs> And, okay, let's move to Nashville, but also I have all these responsibilities over here. Well, that's good for social media, though, because I can kind of be everywhere and work remotely. And then there's this other whistle blowing, and now I have to learn how to cook pork because he's really good at cooking pork. And there's all of these things that I'm trying to learn 
and study and just become a master in my craft and I'm looking here and I'm looking there and then they're winning awards but there's no awards happening here and what's going on with my life and then my whistle blows and I don't even know which way to walk anymore because I'm super disoriented and I don't even know which lane it is or who my coach is because I don't even know what his voice sounds like because I've been so busy listening to every other voice going on everywhere else that I show up to my race and I'm too tired to even run it. I'm dizzy. I'm actually very dizzy right now. Let me find a spot. <laughs> um, I have been competing with everyone but myself, and I'm not ready to run the race that God has given me. And how many of you know that spinning is movement for sure, but you didn't actually go anywhere? And you wasted really beautiful time meant to develop and craft and, and grow in the ways God has you, but you've just been looking everywhere else. Comparison, comparison can easily get you to show up to a race that no one's asking you to run. Think of it like the CrossFit gym of life. Uh, maybe not CrossFit, but just like a snap fitness. So you walk in the room and you think, okay, we're all here to compete, and I'm going to take all y'all down. The problem is some people are there to just lift some weights. Some people are there for the tanning bed. Some people are doing Zumba, and you're asked to train for a marathon, and so you're going to walk up to this long line of treadmills, and you're going to try to beat this person who's just on a cool down, and this person who's working on some sprints, and you might run longer than them, but they're not competing in the same race as you. You're actually wasting hard-earned precious time competing in other people's races that you're not meant to compete in. Second symptom, you're going to feel isolated because comparison starves connection. So the really nasty thing about comparison is that should you hang out in it long enough, you're going to start feeling super jealous or super proud. And we all know that those are really bad for us personally. Like, don't they say it, it turns you green? Okay, well... I've never actually seen a green person, but I know what it would feel like to be like green on the inside, just kind of gross. But relationally, this is really damaging you too because you are building walls between you and other people. And so when you're jealous, you are looking at another human being and saying, could you just stop? Could you just slow down? Could you just be less for me, please? Because you're an eight and I'm a five and that makes me insecure. So just please come be a six so that I can feel better about myself. And you're asking them to slow down from walking in the God-given calling that they have so that you can feel more comfortable. Jealousy builds a nasty wall between you and other individuals. However, pride does the same thing because it looks at what you've got compared to another person and then says, could you just stay back? Because I've worked super hard for what I have, and you getting closer to me makes me feel like I'm going to have to share this, and then I'm going to have to be over here being jealous. So here we go. I'm good. I'm great. God's awesome. Stay back. Don't come any closer. Can you see how this could build a nice little island around yourself where you've got stuff to hold on to, but there's nobody there to walk with you? Isolation is a really nasty symptom. The last one is sadness. And I don't mean like 
sadness, sadness. Like if you're sad, please be sad. If you're grieving, please grieve. Like there's actual emotions of sadness that a human being needs to feel. But I'm talking about sadness in the face of joy, in the face of celebration, because comparison steals joy. Uh, There's a quote that most people think is a scripture, but Teddy Roosevelt actually just said it. Kind of close. It says, comparison is the thief of all joy. And what happens when you are comparing your life to another's is that when something good happens to them, you have a hard time joining in and celebrating that with them because you're looking at you and how it hasn't happened for you. And it's just a constant reminder of how God's not at work in your own life. But the gift of celebration is that you get to join in with someone which helps you remember the faithfulness of God. So you can stand in your very present lack and remind yourself that God does move, that he is doing good things, and that although I might not see it right here, I see it here. And it reminds me that I've also seen it back here, which gives me faith and hope and confidence to keep going and to keep trusting him. And a side effect of celebration is joy. It's a, it's a good thing. And comparison really tries to rob us of that. I wish that I knew this so much earlier than now. I spent most of my life being dizzy and isolated and sad. And I wish that I knew this so much that I I want you to know it too. Because when I look at life, the people that I walk it with, the emails that I get in my inbox from leaders all over the country, the little DMs that come into my Instagram with really hard and heavy questions, this is where people are at. We're pretty isolated. We're pretty bummed out. And we're super dizzy. And nobody's really sure where they fit in the table because they can't find them anywhere else. And unfortunately, it's because we're running the wrong race. We're all running against each other instead of towards Jesus together. Lucky for us, it just takes a little corrective course to get back on track, and it changes the game. And lucky for us, although we can be sick of it, our God is sick of it more and actually did something for us to get us out of the cycle. Uh, He actually died for it so that it could end. The way to get out of an unhealthy view of comparison and competition is to look at the cross. Because when we do that, we see a God who hung in front of a broken world that chose that brokenness because at some point they looked around the room and thought, you know, I think there's enough people that are good in here that we don't actually need a king. We could be the best. We could be the smartest. We could be the most capable. So we'll just figure it out from here. Thanks so much, God. We're good. And in entered comparison and competition. And this anxiety that when we enter a place, we've got to figure out where we fit. And so as Jesus hung on that cross, it was this giant exclamation point that said, enough. Are you sick of it? 
because I never asked you to win. I never asked you to be the best. And if you want out, I'm here. And I'll do that for you. I'll be the champion. I will be the best and the biggest, the most powerful, the most loving, the most kind. I'll be that for you. And you can come beside me and we can walk together. And you can look at the world around you and all of its brokenness and partner with me to make it better once again. That's what the cross does. It does two beautiful things. First, it reveals that everyone is important. There's not a single person on this earth that Jesus did not die for because deep within each human heart is a goal, is a race, is a skill set, is a moment to partner with the living God to add value to this world. And so a healthy partnership with comparison lets us look at another person who's good at something and say, you're important. And I don't have to feel threatened by that because I've got my own importance here. And I can actually look at that thing that's really awesome and good and see God in it. Wow, isn't he good and creative and unique and different and working in so many different ways. And thank the Lord that I don't have to be good at every single one of these things, but I can see it in other people. And that can remind me that he's just getting started on me and he's going to keep growing and developing things in me. And together we can become all that he's creating us to be. Everybody's important. And that lets me walk through life with people looking in wonderment and encouragement, uh, pushing them forward because I know he's doing that in me too. But the second thing the cross does is says that everybody's broken. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is the best. And I can see that brokenness and not use that to puff myself up and make me feel better, but to find compassion because I know exactly how the enemy would come in to try to frustrate and disturb and, uh, and make things hard on another human being. And so I can use comparison to see, see people that need my encouragement and my help, and I can come alongside and lift up, and I can take my space in my lane and grab their hand and say, let's keep going. This isn't about you or me being anything more than who God's calling us to be, so let's keep going. The cross turns competitors into companions. I wish that I knew it wasn't a competition. I wish I knew that to be fully alive, all I had to do was find my lane. I wish I knew that there was the gift of relationship that God gave me to walk towards that goal together with people that could remind me who I am and that I could spur on to keep going towards good works. I wish I knew I didn't need to be the best because I already serve the best and that in my weakness, that's where his greatness gets to shine through. I wish I knew that everything in life that my heart wanted to find is just found right here. And that this prize that I'm walking towards is fully available to me right here and now. Jesus is our prize, but he's not just the means to the end. He is the end. 
He's what we're after. And the cross gives us the gift of him any moment that we need, any moment that we ask, any moment that we want. And so this morning, this is just this gentle call from God to lay down the competition in comparison, to get in your lane, and to walk towards Jesus together. And I get so excited about this group, you guys, because I feel like you are just on the cusp of something new, uh, new life, new passion, new energy, new focus, new hopes, new dreams. But it's not going to look like anything else that you've seen. It's going to be unique to this family, to what God is doing here. And so your secret sauce will be to find your lane and walk confidently together, to spur each other on as companions and not compete with anything else happening in this city because you know your security is found in Christ and in Christ alone. So that's what I want to pray for this morning and send you out knowing that it's not a competition, God is not keeping score, and that your life will be found eyes on him, walking forward in your own lane. Amen? Father, I thank you for Grace City, Eugene. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the families represented here. I thank you that it is unique and it is diverse and it is coming alive in your power. And I'm asking right now that for any heart that feels like they're too much, not enough, too slow, not as impactful, not as perfected, that you would just wipe that out of any mindset that is um, stunting them back from walking into the fullness that you have for them. Would you give them the confidence to trust you and seek you? And as they do that, would you help them to run uh, so confidently towards who you're creating them to be? Father, I'm thinking that that you've placed them in a family that are friends and not foes, that they don't have to do this alone, and that every good plan and purpose that you have for them will come to pass when they keep their eyes on you. Thank you, Father. We love you so much, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.